Okay, before this episode starts, I just have to give a shout out to Kyle Amber, who made me a new podcast theme song. So I hope you guys like it and a big thank you to Kyle. And welcome to another episode of the Brains, Boobs, and Beer podcast. I am your host, Heather, and I am very excited to introduce you all to another amazing woman um, with ties to STEM and just a really cool person all around. So welcome to the episode, Natasha. Thank you very much. So, Natasha, um, I know we were just kind of meeting prior to recording uh, this episode, but it's very nice to meet you, and I'm very glad you're here, and I'm excited to learn all about what you do. Um, so, maybe if you can kind of start us off as early as you like, uh, maybe childhood or young adulthood, how did you get involved in STEM or STEM-related, and let's go from there. Absolutely. Well, I was born November. I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> Uh, ever since I was a kid, I was always really interested in not just how things work, but how you get people to make those things work. And the interest in that really came from my mom. She was a single parent and I was able to go to work with her a lot and to watch how certain people worked together on really complex problems. And then other people who did not work as well together. That was really interesting to me. And then uh, I got older, and when I went to college, I decided to study psychology. Uh, So my doctorate is in behavioral modification and development, which I got from the University of Colorado. And after that, though, I realized that there was something kind of missing to that equation. So I joined the military, and I was able to go into the field of cyber. And that was, I think, the missing piece for me, was in that realm, there are so many interesting problem sets. And it requires such a unique type of person, typically a person who is really good at being autonomous and really good at working on their own, but then is forced to work in a group. So being able to be not only be a part of that and be a member of it, but also having that psychology background and getting to see when things worked and why they did or didn't, that has been an amazing journey and an amazing interest for me. Okay, um, so I'm going to just back it up for a, a second because I am not particularly familiar with um, cyber in terms of what all you're doing. To me, that just sounds like robots um, or the Matrix, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe for the listeners, if you can, uh, can you share or elaborate a little bit more on, like, is it cybersecurity? Is it, like, how, how does cyber and your psychology fit together? So... In describing cyber, and it's funny, I'm really comfortable with uh, the whole, like, it depends, and I say that a lot. Like, it depends. Um, But with that, it's 
cyber could be anything from um, laying the fiber to make a network work uh, all the way up through uh, artificial intelligence and virtual reality and maintaining network security and all of that. So cyber kind of runs the gamut. And right now it's kind of used as a blanket sort of term to cover a lot of different things. Okay. So I wasn't completely off with like robots or Neo in the matrix. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah. So with that though, being able to work with the different groups I've worked with, that is where the psychology piece has come in. Sometimes there are problems that, you don't want to think too crazy and get too, uh, like I like to call it, like too Harry Potter with it, where you're like, that is not a thing that can happen. Um, but at the same time, it is still so new, and we have so many resources being put towards it right now that we really don't know what we could do with it. And so bringing those different types of people in and being able to help assess who could potentially fit where and why they'd be good for that team, and other people who just are introverts at heart and it's just not going to work out to have them on certain teams, but to find projects for them to do on their own that still make them feel like they're contributing. That's the piece where I've been able to tie both of those things together. Okay. Okay. That now it's starting to um, frame up a little better in, in my mind, because this is very different from my day to day of making beauty products. Um, okay. So you are, so you're kind of bridging then between like the cyber and the human aspect with your psychology degree, helping build the teams or helping identify those who, like you said, are more autonomous and, um, but everybody's kind of working towards similar cyber related goals or projects. Yes. Got it. Okay. Whoo. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So in terms of your doctorate, so you said you went to University of Colorado? Yes. Uh, That's Buffaloes, right? Bison? Buff? Buff. Okay. Um, So are you from Colorado? I don't remember if you said, like, is that that where you were and you knew you loved it there and wanted to go or kind of how did you get into into that area? So I I was born and raised in Colorado. So having been there and then uh, the campus was not too far from my home. So I was able to live at home while still attending. Uh, so it was, it was, it worked out nicely, but also now I get to give them a big shout out. Uh, it's not only is the university of Colorado amazing as a campus as for a student, but they have been amazing in taking care of me even afterwards. So when there were additional resources, when there were other things that I needed uh, from them research wise, they have always, it's an amazing community. They've always been willing to jump in and you're really part of this amazing network. That's terrific. And my sister went to, and it's CU, right? CU, not, yeah, yeah, not UC. And it is beautiful there. It's in Boulder, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, It is lovely there. And it does seem very friendly. So I I'm not shocked that they have such a wonderful program and support system even beyond. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. And yeah, it's, and the, the way they do, they have this amazing mentoring program there too, that I know that I've benefited from hugely when I was a student and that I still love contributing to now. It's almost like a, it, the way they match people up because mentorship, you can't really, it has to be informal and people really have to choose each other. 
but their methods for really kind of finding which people they believe would fit is, I think, one of the most impressive things. Would you, so now that's interesting, actually, it got me thinking, I was just on a a webinar today that was kind of talking about mentorship versus sponsorship um, across cultures and like from a global perspective, because the company I work for, who shall not be named, is a global organization. Um, So when you're looking at it from your psychology background. I know in our webinar, and you just mentioned it, it's kind of a, it's more informal and it has to definitely benefit both parties. So it sounds like, if I'm understanding correctly, you've been both on like the receiving end in terms of that help getting mentorship, but you're also helping build teams essentially in what you're doing in your day to day. Um, Has there been opportunity to apply your doctorate with like a mentor or sponsorship program? Absolutely. So I do volunteer with the uh, Center for Creative Leadership as well. So I've been able to um, utilize that there. And then within my work role, absolutely. So I get to do a lot of coaching. I would say some mentoring, but I definitely would separate those two things because I believe they're very different. So I've been able to do some mentoring in my regular day-to-day job, but the most of my mentoring has been with Uh, students who are currently going to the University of Colorado or individuals that I've met through the Center for Creative Leadership. Okay. That's, that's really interesting how like all these little pieces of your life still kind of all, all tie together. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Okay. So for, if we can talk a little bit more about your day to day. So it is, you are active duty or civilian working with military or? I am active duty. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, so how long have you been active duty? Um, uh, if you could share that and, and what has been some of the challenges around that? Is there anything that's stood out from being active duty versus your activities with the more civilian side? Oh, absolutely. So I've been in for nine years and it's really interesting. So I am on the enlisted side and with that, there is, which I, which I saw, like, of course I selected, I wanted to be enlisted. I love being enlisted and there's a, there are pieces of it that I think that as an officer, you wouldn't have the opportunity to do. And for me, it's those really human elements of, I want to sit down with this person and I want to really talk about what is and is not working for not only their job, but also maybe how can I help them with other areas of their life? Cause there are a lot of local programs and national programs that can help individuals. Okay. And, uh, did you have any of those you wanted to share? I, cause I can certainly post links or, or I don't know, Instagrams or whatever, uh, social media related to any of those organizations off the top of your head. Oh man. Great question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, um, within the military, they have a lot of great programs. Like they have the army, uh, community service and stuff like that. That's, that's specifically for soldiers and depend. And I, again, it's one of those, it depends answers. Um, depending on where you are though, like even just in the local community, just little things that you can find. So I will think of some and I'll send them your way. How about that? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And then I can post them in the notes. That's no problem. Because that was like a surprise question. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like you are a very busy lady during the week. Um, and a lot of, you're doing a lot of connecting and I think that's, that's really impressive and exciting. And we certainly need more people that are helping make those connections and helping, basically helping us each, uh, progress and excel in our roles. But thus far, do you have a favorite role or a favorite, maybe it's a project or a favorite task, something you can share that you just really enjoyed so far in your career? Absolutely. So the work role that I'm currently in, um, I'm in a senior advisor billet. And with that, I really get to not only advise on these really technical projects, but I also get to do that coaching and that apply my psychology background a lot more every single day. So in my day to day, it can be anything from maybe resolving conflict between two people who they both want the same thing at the end. They just don't know how to get along well enough to get there uh, to really being able to talk through people and say, you know, where can we, how do we secure virtual reality? Right. So then we get to have those conversations as well. So this work role has definitely been, I think for me, the most rewarding. Uh, and it's also going to be one of the ones that's the hardest to leave when that time eventually comes. So is, is the role you're in, does it work? It's, you said billet. I'm just, I'm just not familiar with terminology. Is that like an assignment or a contract or so it's a limited time experience or project? Yes. So um, basically it's a, uh, it's a work role that you're in for a certain amount of time. Got it. Okay. Uh, I'm just guessing maybe another listener wouldn't, (laughs) wouldn't understand. (laughs) I believe the military has a lot of lingo that we don't necessarily use in civilian life. (laughs) Okay. So that's something you're really enjoying. Has there been any challenge that you've encountered that you can share that maybe others can relate to and kind of take from learning, learning from your experience? Absolutely. So I think that it's really, uh, so, so one of the best, it was another really great work role that I got to be in, but it also became one of the most challenging when it was a team of us who we came together and we were building a curriculum for one of the schoolhouses. And I loved working with those guys. Like we just got in there, we were building networks and we were literally writing out the day-to-day curriculum for students And then they sent us classes and we were testing it as we were building it. And it was some of the most fun that I ever have had. And then the challenge came in when we started to grow as an organization and we got other people in who were very proficient in their jobs, but there was very much a a segregation between us because we were the people who'd been there the longest and we already knew different things. And there was this expectation that people coming in should be at a certain level. And I think that we, so on one side, there was fighting, fighting as far as like, just kind of like a pushback for I'm not there yet. And I'm not ready to do that. And then on our side, I think that we probably didn't respect the humanity of the situation enough. We were just so focused. And so like, we got to build this and we've got to go that, you know, we, it's like we were running along this thing and suddenly we turned around and, and we forgot to bring all the rest of the people with us. So I think that was a really important thing to learn, too, because for all of us, we were really good at our jobs technically. 
but there were these other pieces that we all needed to be better at. And those are kind of in those aspects of leadership and of, uh, you know, management and, and stuff like that. So it was one of the best, and I only say it was a negative experience because I needed to learn it and I'm grateful that I learned it. But I mean, as everyone knows, self-development is painful. And so <laughs> that's why that was probably, I would say that's one of the less desirable assignments I've had. I see. Okay. So a lot of the struggle, if I, if I'm understanding correctly, it was around, you had all the, you had all the people with all the technical know-how, but the struggle was with engaging and helping everyone kind of focused in the right direction. Okay. Got it. That's, that's very interesting to hear. And I think that's something that regardless of what, your career path is that is something that we all encounter at some point mm-hmm. as jobs and roles and people change. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's very interesting. And so looking forward or looking, maybe, maybe it's even what you're doing now in terms of like a cyber role and your psychology, what is something that you look forward to or you see happening in the future that you're very excited about? Well, all of this sounds like such a plug, but it, all of cyber is really is exciting. Um, there are so many different things kind of coming along for cyber, not just with advances in artificial intelligence and how that not only impacts a military mission, but also just people's day-to-day lives. I think all of that is really exciting. And it's one of the most exciting things about the field is that you can never, you're only on top of it for a short amount of time because so many new things are happening. So with cyber, there's always new and amazing things. And then I think for me personally, I'm really looking forward to, uh, as I transition into my next work role, to really being more of a coach and more focused on culture and how you build a culture in an environment that's so ever-changing like that. You really can't have people who get that nostalgia of we've always done it this way or anything like that. Like it just doesn't work. So how do I help coach people through that and get new people to keep moving forward and get the people who are a little bit more resistant to all the change to also move in that same direction? So I'm really excited that that could be my next role. That's amazing. And it actually brings up two more questions to mind. So I know AI is like a huge topic and there are so many opinions on it. So coming from the in almost the inside of that world, what would you what would be the like one thing you would share with people in terms of like don't be scared. It doesn't mean that robots are going to take over the world. Um, like what what is the one like takeaway you would share with people for why AI is a benefit? So AI will be able to help us understand processes better, and it's really about understanding data a lot quicker, right? So. But of course, there is there is no reason to be afraid. And, and I think especially with a lot of things that have happened recently, most organizations, uh, if not all, are really trying to be more careful about what their intentions are with different information. Not that anything was nefarious, but you don't you know, you don't want to be creepy. You want to be honest about things, you know, like when you Google something and then the next day it pops up in every ad. That's it's creepy. Nobody likes that. Um <laughs> But I think that also, while, you know, 
people need to be organizations need to be more honest about that there are so many things with that that can help inform other systems and other things in our regular lives so we've been able to evolve to even having you know an alexa or siri or whatever people have and that's made a lot of people's lives easier and better in a lot of ways so those kind of advances are going to keep coming and they're going to just keep making our day-to-day lives easier and i'm all for it like i'm if if my whole house could be a smart house, it would be. <laughs> I was going to say, you, I, I like your point about Alexa. I was very hesitant at first, despite the fact that my, you know, my iPhone is like never out of my hand. But I was like, no, this talking thing in my house, I don't know. But she's amazing. Yes. And she she even tells me jokes, like if I'm in a bad mood. So <laughs> Exactly. Something so convenient about just being able to walk into your house and hopefully my lights don't go out when I say this, but I'm like, okay, Google, turn on the lights, right? And then the lights come on and I can adjust the brightness just by saying it. And if you really think about that, like for me, I'm a regular mobile healthy person, but like, let's say it was maybe a more elderly person or something like that, where they would still be able to access information. They could still hear the music they want to hear by saying it. Um, You know, they could hear a joke, like you said, or they could just do things that, would maybe be more difficult for them. So even just the advances, if you look at it from that perspective, those are amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're correct. And I, I hope that alleviates some, some of the unwanted or unwarranted fears that are out there. (laughs) My other question for you was around the coaching. You were mentioning the kind of coaching aspect in a world that's just changing constantly and, kind of expelling that idea of, well, this is how we've always done it. So my, in my company, we go through a lot of change, a lot of like, I don't want to say annually, but there's always some kind of change as we're trying to address, you know, consumer and customer health around the world. So this is something I think my organization is always interested in and looking to improve. Are there any specific suggestions you would offer to employees or managers kind of from that coaching aspect that are struggling to deal with kind of that ever-changing environment at work? Any, Any tips you could give people? Absolutely. So I would say that the, everybody is uncomfortable with change. That's just human nature. So kind of, this is going to sound so cheesy as I'm saying it in my head, I'm like, Oh, that sounds so cheesy, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but that kind of getting comfortable with change. And so changing does not mean, I think that we put this thing on it. It's like, this is my job and this is what this looks like. And if that changes, I won't have a job or I won't be viable anymore, but that's absolutely not true you will still be viable, but the way to be viable is to change and it is to keep moving forward. And one of the things I love about coaching uh, when it was explained to me once was they said that in the old days when people wrote in a coach, uh, that coach was moving a valuable person from one place to another. And I really think that coaching is still like that. So it really is moving valuable people from one place to another. And whether that's a manager or an employee or a collaborator or whoever it is, it's realizing the value that that individual brings or acknowledging the value that you bring, of course, in a humble way. Uh, But organizations always need people. And even if they're changing, they're still going to need people. So people can, you know, get smart on the technology and get smart on the changes. And instead of fighting it and instead of 
have being in so much fear around it, really putting themselves out there and being a change agent and helping to move that forward. Cause then that's just going to keep them in that leadership circle. It's going to keep them, you know, as somebody that other people want to look up to and want to listen to. I think that's a great tip and it almost ties in with like the whole AI comment in terms of, I guess, more automation and looking at roles. I know there's always discussion about, you know, automation is just going to erase a a bunch of jobs in the U.S. or whatever the case may be. But I think you bring up an interesting point of it may be removing more like processes or tasks. It helps alleviate maybe some um, repetitive tasks or something in the workplace, but to your point, organizations will still need people. You still need people involved, but what your tasks are or how your role is defined may change and being open to that change is how you move ahead. Yes. Yeah. That, uh, those are wonderful tips. I think um, you're doing a great job coaching already. <laughs> so uh, when you're not doing all this coaching and cyber work and, and basically helping the world um, <laughs> get further along, what do, what do you like to do in your free time? What are some of your interests or hobbies? How do you unwind or unplug from all of all of your day to day? So I am one of those people who I can be very social, but in my heart, I'm an introvert. So at the end of the day, I love to come home. I love to read and I'll read just about anything. So I don't read as much cyber stuff. Uh, I read that at work, but I love to read fiction and nonfiction. I read a lot of books about leadership and uh, I read between three and 400 books a year. So I read a lot of books and then um, my dogs. I'm very interested in seeing how much training they can actually have, right? It, it's still be, I, I want them to be my companion animals, but at the same time, I'm always like, oh, could they learn this other thing? And then they learn it, and then we go somewhere, and I try to show it to somebody, and they, I, they act like they've never even heard their name before. <laughs> <laughs> and what are your dog's names, and what kind of dogs do you have? So Oscar is a, a French bulldog. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> there's okay. Little, uh, three-legged miniature schnauzer. Oh, three-legged? Yes, when I adopted her, she had three legs, but she's just as fast and sassy as any other dog. Oh, I love it. And it sounds like you rescued? Yes. Awesome. I certainly always approve of rescues. My two little monsters are rescues as oh, well. Although they they have all their limbs, <laughs> <laughs> which they keep trying to interject here (laughs) (laughs) okay so you read a lot what what is your oh actually so you read a lot have you read watchers by dean koontz yes okay that was like one of my favorite books of all time and so when you were talking about trying to train your dogs more i was like ooh, like einstein So for the listeners, if you've not read that book and you like kind of, I guess that's more sci-fi, sci-fi, I guess, recombinant DNA. Yeah. So basically, uh, one of the main characters is a dog with human intelligence. So it's definitely worth a read if you're a dog person or sci-fi person or what have you. Uh, what What is your favorite book or do you have a favorite you're reading right now? Oh, man, a favorite. So... My favorite series, I would say, are the Chronicles of Narnia. 
Yeah. I love the idea of the birth and death of a nation told in seven stories. Like that's, he was quick and to the point. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. But I think also there's just a lot of whatever perspective someone takes on that, uh, you know, like with whatever philosophy, it's got a lot of great points just about being an adult alive in this world. So I read that series probably at least once a year because it's just such a good reminder, I think, for me of just the humanity and of people and of situations. And it's something that also my mom and I used to read when I was a kid. So I get that kind of nostalgia from it. Um, I'm currently reading uh, the new Ray Dalio book called uh, Principles. And I'm loving it. I thought it was going to be, I knew it was going to be good, but I thought it was going to be kind of like a lot of leadership books tend to be pretty much the same. But what's mm. unique about this book is it's really him reflecting on all these things he's learned in his life. So instead of him just saying like, hey, these are all the things I know, or these are all the things that you could do. He's saying, this is a situation. This is what I think I learned from it. And this is how this applies to these other things. So I think it's so well written that when I'm done reading it, I'll probably just turn back to page one and read it again. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> now, are you a hard copy book reader or are you a like a tablet reader? Both. So I don't I don't really have a preference. Okay, because I know some some what do you call it? Bibliophiles are like obsessed with having I have to feel the book. I have to smell the book. <laughs> Yeah, so if it's a book I'm going to – normally leadership books I'll get in print because I write on them and I'll kind of put my thoughts and my notes in the corners and stuff. Um, sure. Other books – I mean, I'll, I will I mean, I also listen to audiobooks and, you know, I'll just get it from the library. But, yeah, if it's on the Kindle – it's 99 cents on the Kindle, right? It's like that's a great deal. So. <laughs> yeah, especially sometimes they have, like, the specials where you get, like, free ones. Yeah. So that's even better. Awesome. Now, okay, so you spend time with your dogs who sound like they're adorable. Um, and you like to read at three, you said 300 to 400 books a year. Yes. That's impressive. I wish, I wish I was as dedicated to reading as you are. It seems like I just have a, a never ending stack of like partially read to go through. Um, now coming from Colorado, and this is the Brains, Boobs, and Beer podcast. Are you a beer drinker? So sadly, I am not. Oh, my goodness. I know. I, know. I should have started with that. So you could have just been like, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> so the, I, I think it's just because like, I didn't really, I graduated from high school early. So I went to college when I was still kind of a younger teenager. So I would never really kind of got into any, like I was never exposed to things kind of in a normal cycle, if you will. Mm. Um, but uh, so I, I do like ciders, uh, which I know is not beer. I know that I'll just say that for all your listeners. I am aware <laughs> it's not beer. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so I do, when I do go out with friends and stuff, I will drink like, like a strong bow, but yeah, I don't, sorry. No, no, that's okay. No, you have not because uh, there, I've certainly had some ciders before that were surprisingly high ABV. Um, I didn't even realize until I stood up. <laughs> and then I was like, wow, what happened? <laughs> so, no, you definitely get credit for the ciders. <laughs> 
Okay. So is there any other, do you have any other tips or suggestions for people um, around the career or STEM, STEM related fields, anything you would share with people? Any last thoughts? So I would say that if, if anyone is looking to get into STEM, that finding a mentor who's already in the field is really valuable and uh, finding something that you connect with and who connects with you so that you can actually build that mentoring relationship is really important because things change and people who are in the field can kind of tell you, kind of show you which direction to look um, when you're looking to study and kind of looking to get into the field. So I think that that would be a pretty important thing. And then for anybody who is maybe apprehensive about where the future of all that lies, there's a really good book called In Our Image. And it's basically about AI and how it is part of the future, but it's a non-intrusive part of our future. So it's not going to take jobs or become angry and attack us or anything crazy like that. But it's actually like, this is realistically uh, how this could be leveraged. Okay, that's great. I'll be sure to include that book reference in the notes as well um, so that people can check that out. If you could give someone a tip on how how to identify or approach a potential mentor, what what would you suggest to them? So I'm a pretty direct person. So in my experience, uh, what I would do is if there was somebody who I thought would be a good mentor, I would go to them and I would say, you know, Mr. So-and-so, I would really think that you would be a good mentor for me and here's why. Is that something that you could you have time for? So with that, it, it then kind of gives them that opportunity to, to say, okay, this, like you've put some thought into this. This is you know why you think I would be good, uh, but also gives them that out of like if they really don't have time, then they absolutely say that. And you know your feelings should absolutely not be hurt by that because that's just them being honest with you and with the commitment that they would be able to give you that you deserve. Um, so I think that just being direct. Uh, with someone that you're looking to have mentor you and, and okay. And also being realistic, right? We all want to be mentored by like Howard Schultz of Starbucks. That would be amazing. Um, (laughs) So, but also saying, you know, this is why this person fits. This is how we could actually build this relationship and think about that uh, before you approach that person. Okay. I think that's, I think that's a great tip and it certainly shows the recipient of your attention that there, there may be value in, in what you're suggesting for them as well. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Natasha, so much for your time today. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure and I thank your, your puppies for letting you (laughs) join in. (laughs) so much. This has been amazing. Thank you for having me. Yes. No, thank you. Um, so listeners, there you go. That's Natasha and she has tons of, of good, uh, coaching tips for all of you. So hope you enjoyed it and tune in next time for another interesting individual.